huge savings on new and previously leased furnishings. That's right, huge savings. At Court Furniture Clearance Center, choose from our wide variety of new and previously leased furniture and decor for your home or office. You'll find sofas from $199.99 and more. Everything in our 9,000 square foot showroom is Court certified, guaranteed, and in stock. Ready for delivery or to take home today. Visit our Chantilly Court Furniture Clearance Center at 13946 Lee Jackson Memorial Highway or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com. Mention Radio 20 and get 20% off. Welcome to the Monkeys Fighting Robots podcast with Matthew Sardo. Take your sticky paws off me, you damn dirty ass. <laughs> Holy sh! <laughs> they're actually monkeys fighting robots! You can follow us on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots and on Instagram at monkeys fighting robots. Make sure to download and review our podcast from iTunes and Stitcher. And now, here's your host, Matt. Welcome to the 95th episode of Monkeys Fighting Robots. Today's show is going to be an alternate timeline. We are talking about The Accountant and The Flash. I'm your host, Matthew Sardo. I'm also the co-founder of MonkeysFightingRobots.com. Joining me in the banter is my co-host, movie critic EJ Marino. Today's episode is going to be a bit different. We're going to try a new format for our reviews. I'm going to put 15 minutes on the timer, press start, and then we will battle it out till the end. Up first, EJ and I are going to debate episode one and two of Flash season three. Five, four, three, two, one. Matt, I can't believe that you kind of have some negative feelings towards this first episode because, dude, I absolutely loved it. Flashpoint is the dumbest fucking thing in the whole entire world. It ruined DC Comics and the New 52. Now it's ruining my TV show that we got going on here. I just can't believe that these characters, all the characters that I've come to enjoy the past two seasons, now are all different. Well, they're different-ish, and that's why I don't completely hate it. It's not like it was in like the first episode of this new season where it was a completely different world, and we got a completely different character for each one. These are kind of just like new-ish, like, you know, Flashpoint-adjacent kind of people, and I don't hate it, actually. I like that we're getting new sides to these characters, even if it is a little forced. Who's to say that next week they're not going to go on a different timeline? They're going to keep changing my characters I like. Well, that's the problem with The Flash because you're going to have that freedom where you can do whatever you want with time. You know, you can change it from this episode to this episode or change it from season. It's it's kind of ridiculous what you can do. And I think that's going to be a problem that I think a, a lot of viewers aren't going to like. And it seems like you're kind of lost in it already. Well, one, I'm definitely lost in it. Two, the ratings are down for the show. I think it's more of lazy writing than it is the whole Flash universe, and I need to accept what's going on in the world. I don't feel like it's lazy because I feel like they're trying to uh, they're trying to do too much actually from the established Flash universe and change it up more than what they've ever done before because they have all of this mythos they have years and decades to go through and they're trying to touch on a little bit of everything but still focusing on this new Flashpoint universe it's weird and it is a little different I can see where ratings would be down because this is a off-putting thing but I really don't hate it. You mentioned years of history. 
they could de- if there's years of history then they can kind of like develop this stuff why did they have to have another speedster why couldn't it be like mirror master or more of the rogues like I know they can't have Captain Boomerang, or maybe they can have Captain Boomerang. I don't know. But, like, there's so many other Flash characters that could be in this world that is not in this world. And they're like, hey, let's just go with another speedster. And that's just ridiculous because next week they're going to introduce another speedster. And I think if you want to take the show in a different direction, new direction, and be smart about it, like, you're going to have to let go of the Speed Force at some point in time. No, I completely agree. Villain-wise, they, there's an over-reliance on speedster villains. I really like that Reverse Flash is this kind of overarching villain. He's kind of always in the background, and he'll meddle every now and then. I like that, and I think that's fine. But after last season with Zoom, I was really hoping we would avoid it. And I, I'm kind of liking what Dr. Alchemy can probably bring forward to it because i think there's something more to do with this character but yeah with rival and then i've i know there's a rumor that there's another speedster later on that's a villain and with dressy quick yeah there's a lot going on speedster wise and god we've even had kid flash this season so yeah they're they're doing a lot at one time speedster wise and i wish we would scale that back because there is a lot of cooler villains and a lot of cooler characters we can focus on more than just them Tobin Bell is Dr. Alchemy. That was the one thing that Bloom that I was excited about. Perfect thing. That's how I felt about Tony Todd last season. I thought that was really cool that he got to do Zoom's voice. But Tobin Bell as um, Dr. Alchemy is so perfect, so creepy, so unnerving. I love that casting. I really wish uh, I really wish he could play the character, to be honest, whatever they're going to do with that. I love Tobin Bell. He would have played that well, but I think there's going to do something twist-wise with Dr. Alchemy later. He's like 73, 74, so I, I mean, he's he's kind of up there in age, so he's probably not behind the mask. No, no, I don't think he is behind the mask, but character-wise, I really wish it could have been something like that, but no, I think it's going to be uh, Draco Malfoy goes to Central City, whatever his new Julius character name is, hate his character. God, I can't wait to see what's going to go on with him, so maybe he goes away. Oh, the new CSI, the new CSI guy that nobody knows of who he is and what's going on, and uh, that yeah, that bothered me too. Oh, you think he's part of Doctor Alchemy? Yeah, I I think either he is or he's planted there by Doctor Alchemy. There's something going on with him. He's uh, he's giving me bad vibes, and I like that. And I think it's ironic that he's getting, huh? That would be too obvious. Oh, but we what I am saying that they're very lazy with their writing. Well, yeah, I guess maybe that is probably the only instance that I will agree with you that is lazy if that will be the villain. But I'm interested to see what's happening because he's obviously something something's up with him, even if he turns out to be another speedster because, God, you know, the show needs more speedsters. But I, I'm, I'm intrigued by that. So and I think that's where I'm kind of thrown off by, like, the negativity towards it, because I'm very intrigued to see where this is going forward as opposed to, like, not liking what they've done because it's not like the past. The negativity is because I like the characters the way they were and there's no evolution of the character and growing into whatever they would become. The whole reason why people love Breaking Bad is the evolution of the characters there. They start off at one guy starts off as a school teacher and then becomes the biggest crime boss known to man. There was no evolution to these quick these characters. It's just a light switch going on and off. And it can go on and off as much as they want. And there's, I feel like that's a lack of respect 
for the fans and what they're passionate about and why they care about certain characters. We met Carlos at Megacon. We're like, yay, Carlos, what's going on? And and we like Cisco and like he wears all his threadless t-shirts and he's kind of the happy guy who comes up with all characters. Now he's just emo Carlos. And I'm like, uh. Well, it's a, it's a character change. I want to see that. And I think that's what's interesting that you said that. You but know, it's not they, an evolution. And, and I, I like that it's not an evolution because they, they have the idea that they can just erase. Instead of growing on, they're just going to scratch out that thing and start all over. And I think that's interesting that they're allowed to do that. Like you can compare it to Breaking Bad. Walter White's not a speedster. He doesn't control time. He, you know, Barry Allen can, and that's the interesting narrative that they can do, is the show can change forever and always evolve and always do something different because of that character. And I think that's why I'm kind of on board with it because I don't think it's disrespecting because it's, it's the artist's and the writer's new way of trying to tell different stories. I disagree with you. Furthermore, then the resolution of, oh, we're not going to mess with the timeline was even dumber. Like, oh, we need to figure out how to make Jay Garrick show up in this. And we're like, oh, we'll just toss him out in 1998 and play some Soul Asylum from 93 and put some Dawson Creeks on the show to do whatever the fuck that was. And then we're like, oh, we're going to have a cup of coffee and I'm going to show you how a broken glass is. And like, oh, you can't really fix the timeline. And then it's like, oh, okay. I'm just not going to try to fix what I broke. Like, it's just, and he's like, okay, that's what we're going to do. I definitely think Jake Eric's character there could have been replaced with the whole Speed Force entity that we saw in a previous, like, like what we saw last season. And I thought that would have been interesting because he was kind of lecturing him. But I think it also worked because it's still kind of Barry's dad. And I think that was what was interesting about that was that was still Barry's dad telling him that you know, kind of scolding him. And I thought that was interesting that he still listened to it. You know, there's only three people Barry listens to his dads and Iris. And that could be, I really like John Wesley shit, but it just, whether it wasn't well written or he's not really big in acting this point in time, like there was no drama to it. It was just like, Hey, kind of goofy kind of conversation. And, and I can see it happening in a comic book verbatim the same way they drew it up or the same way it played out on TV. But it just came across as like hokey and just been like, okay, you're done playing in the, the speed force and the timelines. And now you got to get back to the show because we have to make a show and, and we got to move the plot along. It just, it was very contrived. The whole episode was kind of contrived. Yeah, I definitely think the Jake Eric scene was kind of forced in and I think that that could have been dealt with later on and something we could have fleshed out more almost for a full episode kind of like we did with the Speed Force episode last season and kind of just give him this whole break away from all the action and give him a good you know lesson to learn and it's kind of quickly fast forwarded in like a three minute scene so yeah that was upsetting I I just want to see what's going to happen because I am intrigued and I'm not completely turned off yet by the changes, which is kind of shocking because I'm usually a little bit more cynical about changes this drastic. I lasted through 10 seasons of Smallville, so I know shitty writing. I know shitty costumes, but I love all the characters and and I'm getting a weekly show about characters that I like. With that said, I still feel like Barry Allen hasn't learned anything and he's still going to mess with shit. And so we're in our third season and I don't really think the characters evolved that much. 
no, Barry Allen's always going to be the problematic one in the show. And I, I don't know if he's ever going to change. And I don't know if that's kind of going to be Barry's arc until the season finally, you know, the whole show finally wraps is, is Barry ever going to learn that he can't play God anymore? And yeah, I think that's an interesting thing. And I want to see that fleshed out more because that's there and we're rooting it to kind of make Barry not this likable character. And I want to see that if they can change that later on but what if they don't have time to change it and they get canceled next season and then we've kind of ruined it all so there is some risk to it but i do think we're going to pay it's going to pay off later on at least i hope so and then the more you mess with time the more loopholes there are in or plot holes there are in the series and in the show because what reverse flash professor zoom like is he alive is he dead like what happened to him and then like does that mean that the other person's alive? Like, who's alive? Who's dead? Harrison Wells. Is Harrison Wells alive? Like, is it the real Harrison Wells? Like, I don't know. And that is such a problem with time travels, because I think once an intelligent person gets into a time travel television show or movie, they overthink it. And I think that it takes away from what the writers are trying to do and focus that story where, you know, potholes are going to happen when you're trying to write a massive universe. And they're kind of unavoidable. But unfortunately, with time travel, they're very very noticeable when it happens. And I think that's what's happening now is it's it's getting noticeable and noticeable when they're kind of slipping through the cracks of what Yeah, it's the butterfly effect of the Flash universe. But like I'm forgiving in like with the Blair Witch where you throw the camera in front of you and it magically just appears to show your face and then you're crawling through there. That I'm fine with, that little plot hole. But when you start getting gaping holes like we're getting in the Flash, that's where the things start becoming an issue and the more you compound them, and again, this comes with time travel, like the ripple effects, the butterfly effects, like all that stuff is just going to continue and you're going to be like, wait a second. And then your viewers are going to be like, I don't remember what happened. And then... That's it for Flash. Final thoughts? I I, I really need to see this season flesh out because it, it has the potential and I, I want to see it grow and maybe this is just wishful thinking for, for better writing because I don't hate the writing yet, but maybe you've uh, pointed out some flaws that I, I haven't noticed before. Again, I'm always going to love this show and I'm going to continue to grow with this show. I just want smarter writers. That's... I want smarter writing. I, I watch Westworld. I watch Game of Thrones. I watch all the other HBO shows and I get spoiled. I watch FX shows like where there's quality writing. And then I come to CW and I was like, yay, I got my flash. And then I don't have quality writing. And then when you add time travel on top of not good writing, it just becomes this quagmire of chaos, which I think we're in the middle of right now. Hopefully they can write the ship. And I think they will. EJ, do you give it a grade out of 10? Out of 10, I'm going to give these first two episodes a solid seven. They've sold me, but I, I'm, I'm still a little I'm still a little wary of what's going to happen. What about you? See, that's interesting about grading because you're like, I love this show. And then it's like a seven. And oh, for, for me, me it's like, yeah, my rating scale is way different than most. Because I was like, eh, I was thinking a seven because it's like eight for me is average and then it's below average. But if you're giving it a seven and you liked it, then I feel like I got to give it like a five. Well, you know, rate it on your scale. If you wanted to give it a seven, hey, it's it's your scale. And I think ours could vary. But 
Yeah, I, I feel like in in the way we're talking about it and how I said a seven, you would feel like a five out of our tens because you don't hate it, but you you you're you're kind of way more cautious than I am about it. And that puts Flash out the pasture. The Accountant, starring Ben Affleck, comes out this Friday. Fifteen minutes are on the clock. Go. Matt, I had no idea I would like this movie as much as I did. Ben Affleck in a movie about an accountant. I really thought this was going to be two hours of a really mundane accountant case, and it was going to be so dry. Did you not watch a trailer at all for this film? I, I saw vague trailers, but I actually really am not a trailer person. I really want to go into a movie, uh, and I think – Earlier this year with a lot of that doomsday drama with Batman v Superman, it, it scared me from trailers because so many things are given away. And I'm glad I kind of went into this blind because there was things that I, I didn't think I was going to like Anna Kendrick as much as I did. Like, I'm so like glad. You, my do you opinion, still like Anna Kendrick now? Well, I, I'm not a huge fan of like her and some of her comedies. So I thought she was going to bring that to this film. And surprisingly enough, she kind of played the straight man. Like she was the more normal one compared to Ben Affleck's really interesting and really deep character that he brought to the screen. For me, this was the Batman and the born identity or born supremacy or born ultimatum or born whatever, whatever Jason Bourne they're on now. But this was the action movie I wanted this summer. This, this replaced Star Trek for me. Every big movie I was excited for just kind of was generic and blah this summer. And then the accountant comes along and he was, he was evil Batman, not evil Batman, but he was Batman with a gun. So I automatically make him evil at that point in time. But like he was slick. He was, he was Ben Affleck, Jason Bourne. Yeah. What he did and what that character was and how they wrote him. It's so wonderful because he's so intriguing and so different that, you know, he's smart, he's witty, but he's so flawed because of, you know, his autism, but he's also kind of really deadly and knows how to fight and beat someone's ass with a belt. Like I, I can't believe what his character was and how interesting what it was. It's what you said. It's in the between like a Jason Bourne, a Batman like character. Because I was surprised at a certain point in time where I was like, okay, the dad's going to like teach him how to survive and everything like that. And, and I thought it was going to be played straight a little bit more than it was. And then when they're in like Taipei and baby Ben Affleck's learning Kung Fu and, and getting beat to, you know, it was like daredevil. It was like, that was, they were going through the, like their daredevil training montage. And then the way the movie kind of ended, I wouldn't say it got hokey or corny, but it was completely different than anything I was looking for, completely different than anything the trailers even portrayed in the films. And I think that's what really intrigued me because I went into it seeing the the company it came from, seeing the name attached, and I was like, Hollywood film. And this really reminds me, and I and I think I I think Hollywood's starting to get inspired by it. This reminds me a lot of South Korean dramas, man. They're really, really intense and really, really different, but kind of quirky and I think this brought a lot of different things to what we normally see from action movies. It reminds me a lot of what John Wick was last year, where it, it's this action movie, but it takes the genre and kind of does it a different way, but still gives you badass scenes and really intense good writing. Yes, on the writing. Like, that's 
again, we, we talked about The Flash two seconds ago, and that doesn't have good writing. But then you go into a show like The Accountant or a movie like The Accountant, and then it's just it's just writing where it's like all the notes are super tight until kind of like the twist. Where Apparently everybody else knew the twist except for me. I was like, when I was like, wait a second. And then everybody else was like, oh, I knew it was that. And I think it was because I was sucked into the film so much. Like, I was just like, just give me more of it. Show me this. And then all the different actors that were in it, you mentioned um, Anna Kendrick, but, you know, you got Ben Affleck doing what he's doing. You got J.K. Simmons. And then you got the Punisher, John Berthnall. He's in it. Like, it just had a really good John Lithgow's in it. Like, Jeffrey Tambor. Like, there's, I can go on and on about the cast. And each character was really done well. Gene Smart, he is so evil. Uh, but she's not alive anymore. Um, spoiler alert, she doesn't make it to the end. But. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's what was interesting is to have supporting characters that were fleshed out. Even someone like Jeffrey Tambor, who's maybe on screen 10 minutes the most, if anything. But he was a really fleshed out and we knew his character and we got his relationship with Ben Affleck's character. It It's so great what they did directing and writing wise and even acting wise of developing these characters and bringing them to life because Ben Affleck and I think what really sold me was the ticks that they gave Ben Affleck and the little notes that he added to it. He was so into that character. So wonderful. And not to just focus on him, but this was really a great focus piece on his acting. I said it in my review post Argo. He's on a rampage to say any haters like I'm completely different. I'm here to show you I'm not playing around. See, for me, I love reindeer games, and that's like the ultimate Ben Affleck action movie. But this right here, this is a completely different movie. Kind of, he doesn't really do a lot of talking, which is which is smart. I mean, it's played really well. That in and then J.K. Simmons, the evolution of his character and the turnaround for that, like. It's just a well-written film with a lot of really good actors. And then the action scenes are just amazing. And that's one of my only complaints about this movie is the action scenes needed to be. I, I, I said in my review, I'm a child of excess. I want more. If it's amazing, give me more. And I, I see a lot of foreign films like The Raid where it's like two hours of pure just action scenes beautifully choreographed and i could have seen that in this movie so i that was i wanted more because it was so beautiful so to you know it's it's a negative and a positive because it's like thank you for doing a good job but i wanted you to see more of it because god he was so awesome and not just him but uh some of the other action scenes at the end even anna kendrick held her own so awesome to see her character wasn't completely wasted and kind of not this foil as i thought she was going to be I thought the Jason Bourne franchise ruined action movies for me because they brought the camera in really close and you couldn't see what was going on and everything was just chaos after that. And I know some people love it because how it's different than every other action film, but I like to actually see the martial arts. I like to see the fighting styles. I like to see the whole room and how it goes together. And this was just a great blend of up-close personal like everything all the fight scenes were very personal but i could see everything i i could see each bone breaking i could see anna kendrick breaking that dude's arm with the top of the toilet like it was 
you were confined and you, you, there was a sense of urgency and there's a sense of stress, yet you could see everything. And I did some research on the fighting style from the, you know, the movie, and it was it's more of an analytical and it's more of a defensive style. And I really think that fit Ben Affleck's character in that where he had to think quick on his feet and kind of mathematically break down a fight. And I think that's what we felt in that movie was everything felt you know, close and it was, it was, it's quickly cut, but not too quick like the Jason Bourne movies. But we also got a lot of wide shots, so we got to see them actually kind of wrestle out and we got to see the whole room be used. It that's that's a perfect movie when you blend it, and that's what they did here was give me a little bit of everything. And yeah, I, I, there's so much to praise from the fighting to the writing to the writing of the fighting. Just I can't believe this surprised me as much as it did. This was circled on my calendar as soon as I saw the first trailer. I was like, this might be something that's going to give me everything that I need. It is It is the first movie of the summer where I left on a smile on my face and I was like pumped afterwards. I was like, oh, yes. I was like, hopefully they make a count in two and it just even goes crazier. I don't know. I don't know. I think John Wick 2 could be over the top and John Wick could ruin it for everybody else. But when Ben Affleck as an adult Ben, Christian Wolf is the name of the character. Adult Christian Wolf, which is Ben Affleck, he deals with his demons of being the way he is, and the way he does it is so intense. Well, yeah, and I think he handled it with such a such a good dignity to be like to have that high functioning of like autism and that and and how he dealt with it and like his little ways of combating it, and then we got to see what happens when his routine's thrown off. I think that was so wonderfully thought out and i think that he brought a lot to it and that was a character that could have kind of like came off boring if someone else could have handled it differently because like you said he didn't talk a lot but when he said something i think ben affleck brought his kind of humor and charm to it and when he needed to be intense he was intense i there was a lot to him and i think that that's what i wanted was a meaty good character to kind of you know fall into and get involved with and i loved it and i think that's what happened here even the farmers, like each character, there's details, so much detail in this film. Like even the the farmer family, you, I, I remember everything visually about them. And I kind of remember emotions with each one of those characters. And it just, it's astonishing how much writing and good direction does for a film. Absolutely. You can take characters like the farmers that kind of were just trying to get that loan from him and they made them memorable, you know, that they had a really great funny scene. But then they also got to see them in this like kind of hostage situation and see them save them. And then he just kind of brushed them off funny and they were kind of cool about it. They they really fleshed out really characters that they didn't need to. And I think that's a good service to the actors you have in your film when you're going to give them something to work with and promise them that they're going to be memorable and everyone did it. Someone like I thought J.K. Simmons's characters were going to get kind of thrown off to the side, that whole investigation plot, but he was fleshed out. So awesome there. And again, this movie was completely different than what I thought it was. Like I thought J.K. Simmons was going to be on the trail for him and they'll probably possibly, you know, uh, Ben Affleck's a bad guy. So you can end up in that like, the town type ending where people don't make it out alive kind of thing. And this was, this was completely different than anything I could have imagined going into it. And I got to give credit to Gavin O'Connor, the director. He directed the warrior, which is one of my favorite films of the past, I don't know, five, six years. 
it came out the weekend I got married, so I couldn't go see it. <laughs> like, like that's, but hey, at least it was a good weekend. Yeah, oh no, it was an amazing weekend, but he's done some amazing... He, he did Miracle. Like, I'm a cynical, not crazy patriotic human being, but man, did that movie make me want to like wave red flags and listen to Bruce Springsteen. Like, I love that. I think it's so awesome that like he does that, and I think he's a good director, and I can't wait to see if he gets more work after The Accountant, and especially within this kind of genre. He directed the pilot to the Americans, an FX show that everybody loves. Like, this guy... He's got some stuff going on, and he's born 1964. God, it takes so long. It takes so long for directors to get up there. Yeah, trust me. As someone who graduated film school not too long ago, I'm realizing that, like, maybe I'm not going to get famous in my 20s. Maybe it'll take to my 40s, my 50s, and I, I don't mind that. And I'd love to see directors like Gavin O'Connor get the chance to show his career, even no matter what age he is. And at least he hasn't been abused by the Hollywood system yet. And that's fortunate that we got to see an artist like him still make good movies and not get thrown through the system. Final thoughts on The Accountant? I'm so happy that I liked it because it it, it makes Ben Affleck 2-0 this year. I loved him as Batman. I loved him as Christian Wolf. I really want to give this movie like – Probably one of like I think my second nine out of ten this year. Like re- reviewing, I gave um, Batman v Superman a nine out of ten. I know everyone uh, roll your eyes, uh, and I gave The Accountant a nine out of ten. Like these are great, great movies that I really, really am happy that I got to see. The Accountant is really, really done well. I will give it a nine out of ten as well. I'm still just. I sit there and I just think about that film. That's how much the film, like I'm trying to think of the other films I saw over the summer. I really can't, they're all throwaways, but this one, you leave it and then he just kind of sits with you and resonates and you're just like, wow, that was an awesome film and I can't wait to see it again. Yeah, I can't wait to see it again. I'm so glad like this summer I got Blair Witch, which I know was another polarizing one that I got to like, but this one trumps it. This is like my late summer favorite i think i really am really happy this came out and i didn't let my cynicism kind of ruin this for me and i got to have a good experience and that puts the accountant to bed see you next week ej see you my friend thank you so much hey matt we survived another episode oh no once again there are several ways to continue the conversation after the show follow us on twitter at monkeys underscore robots you can look at all our silly photos on instagram at monkeys fighting robots you can follow me on twitter at matthew sardo my co-host DJ is also on Twitter at EJ Christ with a K. The biggest compliment we receive is when the subscriber number goes up on SoundCloud. If you have a chance, we will greatly appreciate a review of our show on iTunes. All you Android users out there, listen to the show on Stitcher. Additionally, there's this great app called TuneIn. Listen to every radio station in the world, plus the Monkey Fighting Robots podcast. Okay, Lunchbox, let's try this again. There are so many people that made the 95th episode of the Monkey Fighting Robots podcast a success. Chad is still our super fan. Look at all those comments on SoundCloud. Oh, my God, Chad. Got to give you a shout-out because you are the super fan. Special thanks to my co-host, EJ, for putting up with me. It's it's pretty bad. It's getting bad. <sighs> Jeff Shea is great of our amazing intros and outros. Jessica Wynn designed the Monkey Spending Robots logo. Are you a monkey? Or are you a robot? The staff at Visual Realm built our website and keeps us up and running. To all my friends, family, and the interweb, thank you very much for your support. I'm Matt Sardo, and this is Monkeys Fighting Robots.
to 70% off. That's right, at Court Furniture Clearance Center. Get up to 70% off new retail prices and choose from a wide variety of previously leased furniture and decor for your home or office. Sofas from $199.99, bedroom sets from $399.99, dining sets from $299.99, and more. All items are court certified, guaranteed, and in stock, ready for delivery or to take home today. Make the smart choice and visit one of our five locations in the DMV or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com. Mention Radio 20 and get 20% off.